And here's the passage we'll be focusing on, verse 18. If your world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, when I, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may know. You may. I'm sorry. You may remember that I told them to you. Okay, so as we hear this teaching that Jesus has given his disciples, and um, and uh, thinking back over what Derek and Michael has told us earlier today, um, thinking about the love that Jesus has for the disciples, how he's shared his secrets with the disciples, that he's got this this will from the Father that he's obeying. He, he's on a, a, a mission from heaven to save sinners, and and um, he's telling the disciples. <clears throat> This is what happens when you're in the inner circle of me and my father and the spirit. You're entering into this mission with us, and and um, you're my friends now, and you have this joy. I want you to have my joy too. Um, and the disciples, they thought of Jesus as their master and teacher. I think they probably began to feel like they were his servants. Jesus says, "No, you're my friends. You know, uh, you're more than servants to me. You're my friends." Um, and so when we think about how Jesus suffered and how he was persecuted himself. We, we, uh, and as we enter into persecution, we discover even more the privilege of what it means to be called Jesus' friends because we know what, what, what he went through on our behalf. <clears throat> um, so, and so we've looked at a couple different relationships. We looked at the relationship of the disciples to Jesus, um, the relationship of the disciples to the Father. <clears throat> We're going to look at the relationships of the disciples to the world. And this extends to us as well, okay, as we look at it. It was true that of the early church, they had to look back and see how things were for the disciples, and we, too, are going to look at that. <clears throat> and we're going to ask the question, how is it that even though I've loved the Lord of life, the Lord of peace, um, how is it that I find that the world still hates me, or that the world still hates Christians? <clears throat> yeah, and we're going to talk about relationships, okay? So just ha- having in the background what, what Derek's already told you, um, we're going to uncover like how, how to... Maybe how to, how to better understand this relationship we have with the world um, by thinking about the relationship with the Father and of Jesus. And um, I'm going to give you guys a riddle here, and this may be a little bit dangerous, because I'm going to give you this riddle, and you're going to be tempted to think about it the rest of the talk. So just I'm going to give it to you. It's a little bit dangerous, but I'll give it to you. Just try to think about it when you're later on. Like, ask me if you know the answer or when you're, think, or when you're at bed at night. But here's a riddle. Two brothers were born on the same day in the same hospital, within minutes of each other with the same mother they're human beings but they're not twins now don't say the answer you know the answer what are they I'll, I'll, say, I'll say the riddle again because um, some of you may know the answer um, but two brothers were born on the same day 
in the same hospital, within minutes of each other, with the same mother. They're human beings, but they're not twins. Okay? What are they? So just think about that. If you know the answer, don't tell anyone else. You can ask me later. <laughs> but um, so, just kind of silly, but you won't you won't solve the riddle unless you're thinking about other relationships that have, that I've given you. Okay? Um, and I'll come back to this in a little bit. So, um, but uh, Jesus, you know, he's he's warned the disciples about being hated, and. And the disciples might be wondering, as, as maybe after Jesus has ascended, they're, they're, they begin to face more persecution from, from the Jewish leaders, um, from others as they're sent out into the world. They face persecution from, from Gentiles. Um, they might be tempted, why didn't Jesus tell us this at the beginning? Um, but he actually did. Remember back in the Sermon on the Mount, we were saying in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when you were, per- when you were persecuted. Remember that part in the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> um, Jesus goes into some details about the Christian life. It goes into this aspect, this built-in aspect of being a disciple. That if you're near to Jesus, if you're living in Him with His power, if that's if that's in you, then you know this is the more like Jesus you become, the more likely it is that you'll be hated unjustly. Um, the more likely it is that when when you like Jesus, that uh, when someone doesn't have the love of the Father in them, they're going to push away the love of the Father. They're going to push away. Things to do with Jesus. They don't want to have anything to do with him. And um, for a believer, this is going to be this is going to be really confusing. It could be like, why is this happening to me? Um, and and you think like Jesus called me to be a peacemaker. Like I haven't done anything wrong. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being nice to everybody. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you live a life of grace and kindness and integrity. Um, those same things that mark the life of Jesus, they begin to mark you too. And you just—you're never the ones that get to decide this, are you? Like you—you you don't decide that people are going to treat you badly. It just tends to happen, and it just happens to you. And um, but Jesus, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Um, and why is that? It's you know the the the, the very the very presence of Jesus when it's um, in, in you uh, through the Spirit, the, it's going to be exposing the hidden sin that's in folks' hearts. Um, Maybe even without you intending it, and and we are called we are called to to expose you know, the works of darkness. We're called to bring light into darkness. That's 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 part of our job. Um, otherwise, people don't get to repent of their sin. If they don't if they don't have a name to call it, if they don't know that it's sin. They won't repent. Um, but even without intending it, sometimes people will notice you. They'll notice your life. Um, they'll notice your similarity to Jesus. Um, and just in their heart of hearts, they'll begin to persecute you, even if it's not overtly. They might they might. They might begin to subtly like take a jab at you. Um, be ill feelings, ill will, um, and you, you don't get to decide this. And but, but but why does it happen? It's because the love of the Father is not in them. They, they've hated the heaven, Jesus's heavenly Father. Um, and so it's it's kind of like a, a riddle, a question to the Christian life. And why does this happen? Why, why does this wrong happen to Christians? And and what can Christians do about it? How, how, how do we defend ourselves? How do we emotionally deal with the, the fact that the world um, may not like us? Um, and it may even be that other people watching your life might wonder, why does this person get treated so badly? They're just the kindest person I've ever met. You know, um, I would hope that our reputation would be a, a good one. You know, when 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 you're when your when your human resources or when, or when your boss is trying to find a 
uh, so, someone to, to fill a job. They, I, I would hope that they're looking for a Christian because a Christian is the most um, uh, most dependable, most reliable, most most honest person they could find. But um, but without without you intending it, it could be that people begin to to, to hate you because the, their sin is exposed when you're around them. Um, maybe your family, maybe your family doesn't like the fact that you're beginning to think about going to a foreign country to serve serve others and tell them about Jesus. Um, it can happen very subtly that people begin to work away at your reputation. Um, so Jesus tells us that the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. He's giving us a warning. Um, I, I, I'll show you an example in my own life. Um, one that came to mind when I was in college, I was working for my landlord and I was doing odd jobs. I was like cutting grass, painting, cleaning these um, dirty rental houses and stuff. And, um, but there's this one, there are a couple other guys like me that were working, but one guy in particular, I didn't even know him that well. Um, I think he just was just, just watching how I conducted myself and how, like, there were certain, like, activities that the guys would do, like, after work was over. You know, I didn't take part in those things. I, I think he just thought that I was, like, stuck up or, like, maybe looked down on him or something. And I don't know, he, he we did not get along together. He, he just... He was so mad at me. Um, this this one morning, I showed up to work, and he like quit the job just because like I was there. I'm like, oh my goodness! You know, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. We didn't even talk that much. Like, I'm, I'm, I promise, I'm not that bad. You know, but, um, I don't. In my life, that that was that was a small thing, a subtle thing. But I just, I don't know. You guys may have uh, had something similar happen to you before. I, I love to hear stories, but. Um, but, but that can happen. It can be true. And, that, and that's subtle. That, that's the kind of thing that we might get here in America. Um, I was thinking today, I mean, preparing for this talk, I thought, this talk could really fall flat. You know, like, how, how, do, I, how do I make this real for us here? I, I don't know. But um, just thinking about the story in, in, in Niger today, I, I just thought it was, um, I just thought it was interesting that God timed this talk to happen today. So. <clears throat> So, so it's very real. There, were, there is a very real hatred that the world has uh, for Christians, and um, we'll talk about that uh, just a little bit more. But, um, but you know, this relationship that we have with the world is, is sandwiched in here in John 15. It's sandwiched in between the relationship of the disciples to Jesus and the relationship to the Father. Um, and so, to understand our relationship with with the world, we have to we have to go back into the, the relationship we have with Jesus and the comfort we have that comes from Him and from the Father. Um, um, go back in John 13 and, and think about Peter's experience as Jesus served him. Like Jesus Jesus washed Peter's feet and 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 Peter said he would never betray Jesus and then he, he, he does. You know, he, he, uh, he betrays Jesus three, three times and then Jesus restores him later on in, in, in John's Gospel. Think about that friendship and that encouragement that Peter got from Jesus. Um, that was going to help Peter later on because he was persecuted. Um, he, he died a martyr's death, we believe, later on in life, uh, if church history is accurate. Um, so, um, and the other thing too, we have we have this relationship with the Holy Spirit as well. In verses twenty six through twenty seven, um, the Holy Spirit, who's our, he's called the Helper, the Comforter, or our Advocate, almost like in a legal sense. Um, all of these things are true of the Holy Spirit that that helps us um, in in persecution. So we have to we have to dig into those relationships to make sense of a relationship with the world. 
Um, so let's let's go through some of these verses. Um, just kind of verse by verse. And you know, in, in verse eighteen here, it says, "Where he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you." And and what does John mean when he says "world"? There's there's a couple couple different ways that he uses it depending on on what's happening. But he, here, the world is like just. And I've already used the word a lot of times already, but the world is like a system of thought that's opposed to Jesus. It's, a, it's opposed to righteousness. It's like a it's like a moral order of things that's um, just opposed to God's ways. And it's made up of unbelievers. It's it's uh, it's something that Jesus chose the disciples out of. They they were part of the world, and now they were not. Now they're not once they're once they've been chosen by Jesus. Um. So it's just this attitude that. Um, carries over to disciples as well. When the world hated Jesus, they, they hated Jesus and the disciples because it exposed their sin. And Jesus assumes the reality of verse 18. He says, if the world hates you. But then he goes on, yeah, the world's going to hate you. It's not, it's not like a maybe if. This is you know, almost like a rhetorical. Yes, the world's going to hate you. Um, and then... But because Jesus chose him, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you of the world, therefore the world hates you. So they're set apart. They're set apart for a different kind of life. They have a different purpose. Um, they're going to be excluded. Um, the disciples' lives, they would have value, but it doesn't mean that their lives were free from attack. And Jesus couldn't promise them anything more than what had already happened to him. It's not that they were better than the world. And it's not that the disciples themselves were any smarter than some of the other, or, or I don't know, better than any of the other disciples that Jesus could have picked. Um, but because we're servants of the Lord, we'll, we'll have the same things happen to us in some, in some measure. And um, I want to think, too, about the life of Paul and um, Paul's thoughts on it. You know, Paul suffered so much. Um, and, I, and I think that Paul, he thought of suffering as like a confirmation of what truly being of of, of 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 what being a faithful disciple of Jesus is like if if you suffered and it shows it shows that you really are faithful to Jesus you are his disciples um, um, Paul says I die every day first Corinthians fifteen thirty one that sounds very much like when Jesus says whoever would save his life will will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will will save it um so you don't have a true Christianity without bearing your cross and dying daily. Um, and so too here, in, like in verse 20, Jesus says, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. Um, so for Paul, I think, I, I think something would be wrong if someone... If someone or if, if Paul had not shared in the sufferings of Jesus, I think, I think he would have thought something was wrong. Um, let me... Uh, just a, 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 a few more verses from Paul. He says, he says of the Thessalonian believers in First Thessalonians three three, um, don't be moved by these afflictions. You yourselves know that we are destined for this. The the, Thess- the Thessalonian church was going through some hard times. Um, and he tells them, don't be moved by these. We were destined for this. Um, go on a little bit further here. All right. Um, I want to talk about ignorance for a second. Verse 21, when Jesus says, 
all these things that will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So sometimes the world hates Christians just out of ignorance, and and it's not, you know, the 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 knowledge they have of God is like a confused knowledge. It's it, it, it doesn't mean that people don't have a knowledge of God, but it, what they do have is not um, it's not it's not stable. It's not reliable, and. Um, I think I think when people hate us out of ignorance, we need to be we need, we need to love them back in return. That needs to be our needs to be our response. We need to love them, knowing that we too were we were once ignorant ourselves. Um, and I was just thinking again in the the events you know, in Niger. I, I would imagine you know most of the people that were burning the churches were you know, just just completely unaware that there's not a you know. a I, it, it just seems to me that they probably were tying in, you know, the Westerners or, or, or with uh, with with Christianity, and just 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 so just so much um, you know ignorance or, or confusion there. So, um, so I think when we're praying for Nathan and some of these other missionaries out there, that we can remember that as we're as we're praying. Um, Okay, let's go on. Verse 22, Jesus says, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Um, and this verse can be confusing, okay? So it, it looks on the face of it like Jesus is saying, um, almost like, like, like had, had Jesus not come, then there would have been like sinless perfection or, or, or the Jewish leaders would have not been guilty of sin, basically, like, but that's 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 really not what's going on. I, I think verse twenty four explains this a little bit more. I think Jesus is saying this is this is a kind of sin that happens like like because I have come into the world like um, the greatest sin that could be committed has, has been committed, which is the rejection of God Himself. It's a rejection of the revelation of God. Um, it's a rejection of Jesus Himself. And. Um, and, and 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 Jesus's words and his works are tied up with the words and the works of the Father. Um, Jesus, verse twenty-four says, "If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. So so they reject Jesus and they reject the Father. And, and this is done in the face of all those signs and the miracles that Jesus did, all the wonderful healings. Um, so I think Jesus is saying, um, now that I've come." You know, your sin is compounded, basically. Like you have even more revelation given to you, um, and you know, and and when Jesus comes, he 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 reveals sin in people's hearts again. The same thing that happens in um, in our lives as the Holy Spirit reveals sin in folks around us. It's um, part of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives that um, we show people the way of righteousness and we show them how to repent. We show them how to confess their sins and what the solution, what the actual remedy is for sin is. Yeah. So go on a little bit further. Verse 25, Jesus says, um, The word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So again, there's, there's, there's a bit of ignorance going on in the part of the persecutors. There's, there's, uh, and, and, and again, in the, the Jewish leaders, um, when, they, when they reject Jesus as their Messiah... They're rejecting the very Messiah who was prophesied by their own scriptures. You know, the, like the the experts in the law. They were. Um, it, it says their law must be must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So it's ironic there. But um, again, I think that's a that's something that should motivate us to love others when when we see that they're acting in ignorance. 
Um, uh, okay, now, hatred and persecution of Christians, it comes from the world hating and persecuting Christ himself. Um, but I've already said that. Uh, all right, let me go back. Yeah. If Jesus has gone to heaven, if he's not here in the flesh anymore, why is it the, the persecution still happens? Why is it that Christians are still persecuted? And why is it tied to Jesus' name and person? Um, it seems like if Jesus were to have ascended to heaven, if he's not here in the flesh anymore, would, would the persecution stop? Um, I think verse 26 and 27 um, explain why that is. It says the the Helper has come, the Holy Spirit has come. And, and what the Holy Spirit does, he testifies with us as, as we testify to Jesus. Both us and the Holy Spirit together are testifying to the to the details of Jesus' life, to his testimony. That's why the persecution goes on. Um, and it, again, maybe more subtly here in America, more visibly in other parts of the world. Um, but definitely, definitely happening and definitely revolving around the person of Jesus himself. Um, uh, and so in, in response to that hatred... Our, our response needs to always be love. It needs to always be a continual witness to the life of Jesus. We, we, sh- we shouldn't f- fold under persecution, and, but, but use it as, as our best opportunity to share Jesus and, and the details of his life, to share the gospel and, how, and how, we can, how we can be made right with God. Um, and when it says uh, about the Holy Spirit, it says, I'm sorry, verse 27, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I guess that's the beginning of Jesus' life. It's not from the beginning of creation. Um, um, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus as well from the beginning of his ministry, certainly. But, um, you know, when the disciples had to replace Judas Iscariot, um, they looked for someone who had been with Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry and knew all about his life. Knew, they knew all, they, they experienced everything. Yeah, they experienced all the details and, um, and, 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 and could testify about what his life was. So when you testify about Jesus' life, you're, you, need to, you, you need to know him. You need to know the details about it. And um, you know, The disciples, they, they weren't just making up a legend. They were, they were giving sober facts about Jesus' life. Um, and John, when he was writing this, he was, he was telling the early church how things were for the disciples. And just uh, deriv- derivatively, we, we had to look at that. We, we, we had to see... Why did John tell the early church this? Well, to to encourage them to to tell the early church this is how the disciples lived. This is how things were for them. This is how Jesus encouraged the disciples, and and that applies to us too. We're encouraged by how Jesus encouraged the disciples. He 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 told the twelve that that they would suffer, and 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 they they would be tempted to go back to to the law. They would be tempted to go back to Judaism, um, or they may be tempted to. Um, like, like like Peter was later, he he was he was he was tempted to separate from the Gentiles and to only eat with the Jews. But um, we have to apply this to our lives too. How does this apply to us? How do we? Wh- where is the fight for us? Where where might the persecution come in our own lives? It may be subtle. Um, it may be that you were planning to go to Niger on, a, on an airplane, and <laughs> maybe you can't do that anymore. Um, so you have to figure that out. Um, um, but Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, and in verse sixteen one, it says, "I've said all these things to, to you to keep you from falling away." 
Jesus is warning us, like like soldiers that go into the battle and they're 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 hyped up, and then but when they actually get out there on the field and they kind of see their enemy, like oh, I don't know about this, you know. <laughs> but Jesus has told them ahead of time how it'll be. Um, it's it's like the general who tells the tells the the soldiers, you know, you're going to be scared when you see first see them on the field, but keep on going, you know, it's okay. Um, he says they'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming. Verse two, when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. I said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Um, so Jesus has warned us ahead of time, and we shouldn't think of it as a surprise. Uh, what else can I say? Just without the witness of the Spirit, our words are going to be, they're not going to have the effect that they, that they should. Um, um, and I just want to ask, like, do you think of your service in the kingdom as being helped by the Holy Spirit? Do you know that Jesus himself sent the Holy Spirit to you to help you to bear witness to people? Um, it was true for the early disciples, it was true for the early church, and it's true for us. Um, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit will help us as, as, as we're talking to people. As, and and, and when, when we're suffering... That's, that's a great opportunity for us to, to think back and lean and rely on the relationship we have with the Father and with Jesus himself and, and to know what he's, um, what he's warned us already. So that's all I've got. I don't know. Do we, you guys have any questions? You want to react to this a little bit before we do some more songs? I, I, I thought about asking of where, where in the world, even just geographically, we know that persecution is happening. I, we know it's happening in Niger. There's other places. I, mean, I, have, a, I have a thought. Just yeah. On the mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of like it's not like I move the thought. Just kind of like just you know, my reaction to the fact that these guys have been with Jesus, walking with Jesus, have been inspired, encouraged, and, you know, like it says, and, mm-hmm. and like, just as you were saying, like, how John is kind of, like, explaining this is what it was like, not just the life of Jesus, but this was what it was like for us who were actually with him, face to face, that when he told us he was going to be leaving, we were all, we just got really scared, and on top of that, he said, after I go, it's going to get really, really bad for you. But then he actually tells them, but it's actually going to be to your advantage that I go. Because right now I'm with you, but like after this I will be in you. Like I was, I'll send you my Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just like, and all this talk about like persecution and suffering that is a promise, it's a guarantee that we have. It's just like, I don't know, it just, it's, it's good for us. I just feel like it's really good for us to like be hearing about the stuff going on right now. And then to look back at John and the promise that he was given of this mm-hmm. persecution. But then there's also comfort in that, in the midst of all that fear. And that's like, yeah. it's amazing. Great. Thanks, Peter. Philip, <laughs> Sorry. Any, any other reactions or, or comments? Yeah. I guess in, in our first breakout session, we talked a lot about how we sort of were struggling with um, our personalities and witness, but also fearful of 
like turning people away from the Lord or like just losing them as a friend because of our witness. And it's very clear in these passages that our obedience to Jesus will expose evil and darkness and that's going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we should expect uncomfortability and probably the loss of some friends. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Totally right. And Jesus promises us promises us a family here in the church, you know, to, to help that. And I know that here, you know, in all of our lives, we're not necessarily physically persecuted or beaten or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the the persecution in America is a much more subtle, quiet thing, and I don't think it's necessarily. I don't know if people are. Intent, I don't think it's an intent of people to do this, but I think the enemy has really woven himself in our culture in America, and really blinded us to the reality of real persecution, to the reality of what real faith is, um, the reality of what a real Christian is, even. And and I and I think that's the I guess the persecution we undergo more happens I guess before you become a believer and your eyes are opened in America. And, um, you know, it, it really terrifies me because I don't know, I don't remember who we were talking with, but we were talking just the other day that, you know, what is it going to take for America's eyes, for the Christians in America to rise up and be the voice that they should be? You know, is that going to actually take real persecution? You know, and that's, you know, we hope it doesn't come to that, get to that point before believers act, but we see all throughout the Bible, we see all throughout history that when believers are being persecuted, things are changing. You know, the word is moving. And frankly, it doesn't really feel like the word is moving in America very much. You know, I feel like there's a cloud going over America. Um, so, you know, I don't know what that means, but maybe that's a call or a put. I don't know why I'm saying this, but maybe it's a push for us to, to really be, you know, advance the gospel in our, in our area. And, and strive for unity of the church and yeah. and support for those who are really being persecuted. Yeah. You know, because the world, I mean, the world at one point, I mean, I, this is a different kind of level, but the world at one point hated America thinking that all Americans were Christians, but now, like, America kind of hates Christians. We've kind of become this this underlying menace to society when all we desire is peace and love and yeah. grace. And yeah. We also have to recognize that a lot of things have been done in the Christian mm-hmm. yeah. um, historically and in modern-day America. So, mm-hmm. you know, that muddies the waters and makes things very cloudy for people and makes it very hard for us. I mean, I, I mean that's yeah. Why I tend to move away from the words Christianity and Christian is because I think there's just some, from a cultural perspective, there's so much that comes that, to that. But when we bring it straight to Jesus and being a follower of Jesus, we kind of are you know more, you know much more quickly what you're dealing with and what somebody's willing to. A lot of people will listen to religion or to a conversation about Christianity, but when you bring Jesus up, are they still listening? Or do they want to finish really quick? And so that's my encouragement is we actually save ourselves a lot of 
I mean, this, I don't. We, there's certain people in our lives that puts in our hearts, and you know, five, ten, twenty years down the road, we're still trying to share Jesus with them. But in our daily interactions with with people, we solve a lot of problems and and kind of get to the people who are closer to coming to Christ. Um, just by getting to Jesus quicker, and then you know, like, hey, this person is somebody I need to keep pursuing, or this person won't talk to me. You might keep pursuing, but eventually they're going to be like, I really don't want to talk about Jesus, I don't want to talk to you, and they're like, not going to talk to you anymore. Well, better to do that in month two than year, year two, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you get to year two, you finally talk about Jesus, and you're like, wait a second, the most important thing in your life, this is the most important person in your life, you know, for two years, now you're just going to talk about Jesus? Like, what? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So we just got to get, you know, to Jesus. The same message some people are going to, you know, we're going to be the aroma of life to them, because they hear that, and other people, it's going to be the aroma of death, because... You know they're you know, headed toward destruction, and they don't want to change or move to God. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think that sometimes we're afraid of the inevitable in a certain sense. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if a person is going to hate you because of Jesus, they're going to hate you tomorrow because of Jesus, or five years from now because it's most likely. So why are you afraid to end up with certain people? Why not just know it and keep praying for them and keep loving them, but know what we're dealing with? And I think a lot of that will come down to like, what is your motivation for that relationship? Because honestly, for for me, a lot of times with like people at work, I have to see them every day, so I like want them to like me. I want to be cordial with them. I'm not confrontational. I, I try to avoid any kind of conflict or negative feeling, you know, and. That can a lot of times lead to let's find about what your interests are and let's talk about your interests, you know, and let's stay around that instead of really talking about the gospel and talking about Jesus and you know doing exactly what Chet just said. Yeah. A lot of people are going to hate you because of Jesus. Think of how they would feel if they did come into the Lord and you had no part of it, and they're like, "You're supposed to know this. You like you should have told me." <laughs> You know, that would be heartbreaking. Or the point where, I mean, not that this happens, but just the analogy that, like, if someone passes away that didn't know Jesus and they get to heaven and say, wow, this is the reality, and then they realize, wait a second, Marcus was a Christian and never told me about this. You know, not that that actually happens, but just that idea that, I mean, we never know when someone's time is. So, you know, yeah, another, and another reason to be urgent. In our breakout, we were talking about, like, with outreach, how sometimes we, we feel like this like this heavy weight on our chest is like, I've got to talk about Jesus, but I don't know when the right time is to bring it up. I don't know how to steer the conversation in that direction. I don't know what to say or how to be good at this. And you know, the good thing is, like, the best part is, I think Jesus says, like, you don't have to be, you know me. I live inside of you. I'm waiting just to, to break out of you. It's like, you don't, you don't need to, like, and, and basically, the, the point I'm trying to say is, like, I read um, once that it'll be impossible to keep our mouths closed when our hearts are full. And that when we know Jesus, like, when he's very, very real to us in our lives, it becomes much, much easier to talk about him. Because if, you, if it's an ideology that you're trying to kind of 
implant in someone's mind and it's kind of a distant, abstract ideology that you're doing, and then yeah, it's going to be really hard and it's going to be, you're going to be very afraid to, but when you know that Jesus is alive and is working in your life right now, and that he loves you and that he's promised that he would never leave you, that means that when you're talking with someone, the Holy Spirit is with you and in you working constantly and so it's like we have that un- unfair advantage. I know we talk about that a lot, like having that unfair advantage. Um, it it just it just flows from us. And I think a lot of times we approach these situations with fear. And yeah, there is fear, but you know the thing is, like I feel like when Jesus was telling his disciples this, he said it's going to be hard, but guys, it's it's going to be great. You're going to do even greater things than I did. Like that's what he said. It's like you're going to do even greater things than these. He, Jesus was hopeful. He wasn't worried about his 12. He's like, I'm going to be with them. They have no reason to fear. And I, I just think that that when we know and walk in that just assurance that God is as real to me as the floor that I'm sitting on, it becomes so much easier to talk about him. I think one thing that holds me back from sharing the gospel a lot is that I feel like I'm going to be like infringing upon someone if I try to talk to them about Jesus. Like, oh, they live in the South. They already know all about Jesus. So, like, they're not going to want to hear it. Um, and some recent Sunday we talked about the verse that, or somebody mentioned the verse that says, um, greater is he who is in me than is in the world. And I think a lot of times we think about that in the context of, like, we have power in us that's greater than any other power in the world. But I think we can also use it in the context of like what we have to share with people is so much better than anything that they have. Like they may think they don't need it, but they do. And mm-hmm. something inside of them is going to want to hear it. So. Yeah, and think about like, if you just think about really, really understand what Christ has actually done for you. Like the things he did to, to bring us in a right relationship with God and the joy that that kind of wells up in your spirit, the delight you know, I heard a quote said, that said once, delight cannot be completed until it is fully expressed. And that's so true. I mean, delight is not, it's more delightful when you share it with people. You know, when you're excited about something, you can't help but talk about it. And, and I mean, that's the truth. When, when you really get excited about the truth and you get excited about what Jesus has done for you, you can't help but share it. And I know that I'm not, I mean, I don't feel like I'm at the level where I need to be with that. And, and you know, I've been asking God a lot lately to like, look into my heart and change my heart so that I really see him for who he is and see Jesus for what he did. He did. And so I, I really understand that. And so that joy becomes so much more alive and real, you know, like what Phil was saying. Yeah. And, and another thought on that too, another thing that we talk about in the breakout is that outreach comes from a place of intimacy. That everything Jesus did outwardly was like, supported by his retreating and being alone with the Father. When he went out on the boat after hearing about John the Baptist being uh, beheaded, um, he is, like he said he escaped, he withdrew to be alone. And then when he came back, he saw the 5,000 on the shore and said he was filled with compassion. And so he went and he healed their sick and cast out demons, and, and, and then he fed the 5,000. But it's like, as a human, Jesus was vulnerable to the same pressures that we're vulnerable to today. But he not only like was the way he showed the way at the same time by going and and making it making intimacy with the Father a priority. It's like my only job is to love the Father, to know him, and to do whatever I see him doing. And that happens to be 
like loving people and going out and 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 advancing, announcing the kingdom. If we balance it, you know, Jesus, when Scripture says in First Timothy three, three twelve, you know, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus also said, "Let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." Yeah. You know, he also commanded us to go and to make disciples of you know, all the, all the nations, all the people groups. And he says, you know, the fields are white. You know, with the, the harvest is is ready. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so all these things are true. And even people who persecuted you know, Jesus, we see some of the priests and everything in the book of Acts. And even at the church of Corinth, like coming to the Lord, people have been previous persecutors, even like Paul was. So we pray for those who persecute. We don't write them off, but we don't let that hinder us for what we're doing. Like some people are going to accept right away. Some people are going to be, you know, slower. Some people are going to be outwardly aggressive. And then some of those will come back and some of them never will. But nothing happens without the sharing of the gospel. You know, we got a scripture called like the preaching of the gospel. That's not just you know, somebody preaching to a group of people. That's one-on-one, you know, the sharing of the gospel or in groups of any size. You know, nothing happens without people being presented with Jesus. Nothing happens without that in some form or fashion. And nothing happens without the prayer and just to just give testimony that Jesus answers prayer last night, you know, most of you know that the conversation I had with TJ was pretty terrible, he was in a bad spot and he was really attacking him um, he called twice and my phone was in another room and I didn't hear it, I was like, oh, let's call back, you know <laughs> so he, he calls back later and uh, first thing he says is no, I just want you to know I'm sorry. That's power of prayer. But that's the same power of prayer in other people's lives. You know, and that's really where the love comes down. The, the love for me is not a question of like, am I going to talk to you or am I going to hang out with you or whatever. It's like, am I going to pray for you? And and that's something, you know, I need to, to work on a lot. Because uh, that's, for me, that's a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is easy. For some of you, this is hard. For, for my personality, everything, this is easy. A big group of people, man, I could job on this. Like, we could be here all week. We have another 50 people come in. I'm cool. Like, this, I, I'm confident this place will hold another 100 folks. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's how, that's how I, I mean, I thrive off of that. Some of you don't. You know, I don't thrive off of going by myself. You know, and, and no other people. That's that's hard work for me. But we all have to do the hard things. Things that aren't easy for us. Now we're gonna have a time for testimonies and we still wanna keep this atmosphere of what's going on. We're gonna give parents opportunity to put kids to bed if kids need to be put to bed. But you know, we had like a thirty minute break here. I know a lot of people, you know, like you're tired if we played outside and got chap lips and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it might feel like 10 o'clock, it's only like 
So let's just do this. Let's just give the parents um, time to get their their kids to bed. And as soon as the parents are done with that, um, we're going to start in the testimony and get watered and stretched. Either take a walk around the house, whatever you need to do, um, come back fresh. Um, do that. But, and I'll do some instructions when we come back about testimonies. But it's more than just, we want to hear people share, you know, how did, how did you come to know Jesus? We don't know everybody's story. So if people don't know your story, you know, share, you know feel free to share your story.